Okay, how many of you really thought God that thought what we have just done is cool? I think God th thinks that what we have just done is very cool, and I am uh, thrilled about that. Just uh, before uh, I begin, I realize, uh, you know, just being on holidays, you take a little time off and your brain falls apart. But uh, I didn't give you our church news items basketball clinic. This is a new youth ministry venture. So this uh, Wednesday, I believe, yes, from 8.30 to 12.30, we're offering a basketball clinic to the community as an outreach. And if you can encourage people to get into that, it's for younger kids, uh, I believe. Brennan, give me ages. Where's Brennan? Grades 1 to 8. Thank you. That's impressive. That's not Brennan, but she knew. And uh, just... <laughs> just... <laughs> See, the brain has fallen apart. Uh, makes me worry a little bit about what's to come, but we'll, we'll manage, right? Other thing is just let's keep in mind the new venture. Uh, I wasn't here when we had our first Sunday night service, summer services, once a month, the last Sunday of the month. We'll have another one coming. Uh, I, I hear 170 of you came. I got to tell you, that surprised me. I, I, I didn't think that many people would, would be eager for that, but obviously that is uh, touching a need, and it was a blessed night. So... Uh, yeah, put it on your calendar. Look, we'll look forward to, to good things happening again. Just before I begin, I want to pray. Um, don't often do this, but I'm just thinking about world events right now and um, the circumstance with North Korea and, and potential conflict with the United States. It's, it's, as many experts say, a grave scenario, maybe more so than we realize. I think of what happened in the southern states just a couple of nights ago, people being killed um, through rioting and so forth. And I just want to pray that God would bring peace to our world and uh, take a moment of our service to do that. So let's pray. Our God, we know that uh, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, and we come even now to pray for peace uh, so that as we and I'm sure many other churches across the world are praying for peace in this moment that, uh, Lord, you will hear and you will respond. And we pray, Lord, for the circumstances that have been described, North Korea and the States, and Lord, what could emerge there? We just pray that you would intervene and that you would change that dynamic uh, so that uh, these nations back away from violence and even potentially war. God, we pray for peace. We think about what happened to, in the, um, uh, the country to our south, our, our neighbors, the United States, with this violence that we saw demonstrated in our television screens, God. Uh, Lord, we need, we need you to move into the hearts of people so that um, we might know peace, even internally within countries. God, we're, we're blessed with peace in Canada, and we thank you for it, and we pray that you would protect it as we go forward. We pray for peace in this world. And we pray in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of the risen Christ. Lord, in these two circumstances, which we have mentioned, and so many others, that you would move by your Holy Spirit and that things would change and that we would know the peace of God in our world. Um, God, I'm just led to pray right now for those of us who are here where we need peace in our relationships, even there, you desire it. Um, and Lord, we would pray for it. If we need to confess our sin to a brother or a sister, let us do it. If we need to forgive, enable us, Lord, by your grace to forgive, that we might live in peace with one another. God, we thank you for the peace that you've made between ourselves and you through Christ. We've just sung about the power of the cross and what Jesus has done on it and how we might know forgiveness of sin so that we might be reconciled to you. And uh, we celebrate that today, our God. And we come, so many of us here, as your kids, your children, who have come back into relationship with you 
through faith and having found forgiveness of sins, we can now say with all certainty that we are yours through faith in Christ. God, speak to us now. Um, Open our minds, open our hearts to hear what you would have us hear that we might move forward with you, living for you with passion and with conviction and with great joy. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump back in uh, to a series that I started in June. How many remember what I was preaching about in June? Let's see those hands. Some of you do. I'm impressed. Uh, I entered into a series. <laughs> there. I need, I need a screen back there so I know what uh, you guys are seeing and I stop making a fool of myself. But I started a series in June on the Holy Spirit of God and, and, and the real thrust of that series um, really brought us to, I hope, to a place of at least a beginning to an understanding of what it, what, it, what it means for us to know the presence and the power and the reality of God at work in our lives. It's quite simply that. And I want to jump back into this series for a few weeks um, and... Um, do so uh, uh, by bringing an illustration to you that I, I thought of this week. It, it, it's new to me. It's, it's essentially illustrating what I have hoped to happen over the course of this series. But I realize that the illustration which I am going to give to you might be slightly offensive to some. Got your attention, don't I? And the illustration is this. Picture with me a, a cart with a donkey pulling the cart. All right? Uh, you know, you, you probably have to think of a long time ago or think of Nicaragua, which is, certainly this continues to happen there, those of you who have been there on our mission trips. But, you know, the, the donkey is intended to pull the cart, which is full of goods which say are going off for sale. Um, but the donkey won't move. It's quite content just to stand there enjoying the sunshine and not exerting itself. Why bother? I like standing here doing nothing. I prefer to do nothing than actually work hard. And no matter what the driver, the owner of this cart and donkey do, you know, the whip on the hindquarters, it doesn't matter what the owner does, the donkey just stands there and says, I'm not going anywhere. It's stuck. So what happens is that the, 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 the driver of the cart pulls out the proverbial stick and carrot. And he takes a long stick and he ties a string to the stick and at the end of the stick he ties a carrot and he dangles the carrot in front of the donkey's nose and the donkey has an idea. <laughs> that carrot looks tasty. I think I'm going to move toward it. So the donkey, of course, takes a step in order to bite into that tasty-looking carrot because it wants to eat, it wants to feed, it wants to enjoy. <laughs> but of course, as the donkey takes a step, the carrot moves a little bit further and further and further. But what happens in the end is that the driver of the cart gets the donkey to move and to take him to the place he wishes to go. Now, guess who you are in the illustration? <laughs> See, this is the potentially slightly offensive part. <laughs> You're the donkey, and so am I. And I'm not here to suggest that anybody is a donkey. <laughs> I'm thinking back to when we first immigrated from Northern Ireland and Scotland. I was standing with my father who was here, and he was talking to an elder, and he called somebody a silly... Have you ever heard that phrase, a silly ass? Because in Ireland, that word refers to donkeys, not other things. <laughs> I don't want you to say, believe that I'm suggesting that you're the donkey. But sometimes that is us. In our experience of God, we kind of get settled in terms of our place. And even though we could move forward in significant ways and walk into everything that Christ has for us, sometimes we get very content and we don't want to take the time, make the effort, bother to move forward. 
And what I almost unwittingly have been doing over these weeks is, is essentially dangling the carrot in front of God's people and saying, do you want more? Will you take a step toward? And we talked about what some of that tasty carrot might look like. We've talked about how when the Holy Spirit of God comes in power into our lives, how he transforms us and changes us. How, how we start to experience the reality of God in our lives in a way that we didn't before because we did start moving toward and wanting more and crying out for God for more of him. You know, he starts to teach us. He opens our minds and he reveals truth, the Holy Spirit does, so that we are awed by this God speaking into our lives. We begin to hear God leading us in particular ways. Remember Philip going over to the chariot when the Holy Spirit of God said, go over to the chariot? <laughs> And, the, and, and a man was converted, brought to faith in Jesus just because Philip did what the Spirit told him to do. You know, there is so much that we have talked about, even conversion itself, that experience when we open our hearts to Christ, we move toward him because of the Spirit of God working in our hearts and turning our hearts from that heart of stone into a heart of flesh so that we desire to be in relationship with Christ. It's the work of the Spirit in us. But in each instance, we need to take a step forward. And the primary questions that I have asked you is I have dangled the carrot. Uh, the questions are twofold. Number one, are you experiencing God? Number two, do you want more of God? And here's what I would love to have happened over these weeks in June when I was speaking, in July when I'd been away on holidays. I would love if every single person who has heard the word of God spoken from scripture has been going like this, step after step after step, saying, God, I want more of you. In my life. I want to encounter the reality of what I can know in Christ because I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be just standing still, not moving into what you have created for me to know. And I'm not going to ask you, but if you heard some of those talks, have you moved or are you a donkey <laughs> playing that role of contentedness and stillness rather than taking hold of what God is offering you? Well, I'm going to dangle a carrot a bit more today. Uh, in the hope that you, you, you come to a place of saying, you know, they, they say repetition helps, of saying, hey, I want more of God. I want to encounter God by his spirit. I want to experience this God whom I believe. You see, the, the assumption, I, I suppose, behind this, and I don't know how this will apply to anyone's life here, but I think in the lives of too many Christians, you know, we believe the right things, but we don't experience the things which we believe. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, I believe that God speaks into people's lives, but he doesn't necessarily speak into my life haven't heard him in that still small voice specifically guiding me to do what he wishes me to do. That's just not part of my experience. And I believe God leads people in concrete ways to do remarkable things for him, but I just haven't heard that, so I haven't yet done it, so I'm not yet where I want to be or where God might want me to be and so forth. And, uh, you know, what, what we need, my friends, is to be hungry for God. And I guess, I guess I just want to ask you in all sincerity today, are you hungry for more of the Lord? Are you seeking him with all of your heart? We're told in scripture to seek first the kingdom of God, right? You know that text? Is this weaved into our, our lives? Is it weaved into our hearts? Is it, is it weaved into our experience of following Jesus? I pray that for you because scripture calls us to it. And you can never have it all we just keep going year after year uh, as we deepen in our knowledge of God and our experience of God and our maturity in him 
So big picture stuff. Um, are we there? Is that how we're living? Is that what the longing of our heart is? Today we're going to um, look at a really critical passage and, and, and uh, then again in a couple of weeks uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. It's, it really is central to this whole idea of um, knowing the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. It says, and don't put this, the verse up yet please, but it just very simply says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And as we'll talk a little bit more, in an ongoing, continuous fashion, just be filled with the Spirit. It's like, like God can literally fill up our being so that we know His presence and His power and His activity and His leading and His revelation of His truth in our lives, like all the time. That's, that's the idea. I thought, you know, it's an interesting way of expressing this. Have you, have you ever been filled up with something? My niece was married uh, a week ago Friday night. Beautiful ceremony, wonderful, you know. So nice to be part of. Uh, wedding ceremony took place. We went to the reception, and out came the food. Like, what a meal. Uh, course after course after Way too much food. But you know what I did as a food lover? I just kept eating it. And by the end of the night, have you had the experience when you're so full of food, like you could, it's hard to breathe, you know? <laughs> I was just, I was jammed. And, oh, man, I ate too much again. I try not to do that. But it happens. And once in a while, you know, it's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be, want to be thought of as a glutton, but, you know, once in a while. But I want to tell you, when we're filled up with something like food, it has a real impact on, 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 on us. <laughs> You know, I, I think I can, uh, you know, everybody else is dancing. I don't dance. I'm just not a dancer. Uh, it, it affected the way I walked. I think I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm adding a little bit here, but it was something like this. <laughs> right? <laughs> it affected the way I slept, which was incredibly poorly, because when you're full, your digestive system's over, overworking, and you don't sleep very well, and so forth. When we're filled up with something, it just really has an impact, right? Ever been filled with joy? Saw it in my niece as she walked down the aisle. Beautiful girl. Could have been a model. No kidding. Um, but the, the joy in her eyes. And as a, as a pastor, you know what I often do is I look at the groom. Because I'm often up here with the groom, and I like this part. Everybody's looking that way. I look here. But the groom's eyes filled with tears. He was overwhelmed with joy because his bride was coming. Right? It's beautiful. You know, when we're filled with joy, it bubbles up and it overflows out of us. It has a profound impact in our lives, right? And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You, you can't contain it. It overflows. Ever been filled with fear? Mm. I bet you every person in this world, in this, in, oh, yeah, the world, because <laughs> it's part of the human condition. I think it's part of the lousy part of life for human beings is that fear too often is part of us. But everybody here, I bet you, at one point or another, it's been filled with fear. Some people struggle with it all the time. It is debilitating, debilitating. And it has this impact that is, is real. How about being filled with anger? Oh, boy. Some of us know what that's like too, right? And it only brings harm most often. Not always, but most often, I'd say. You see, what we're filled with has a profound effect upon how, who we are and how we live, what we feel, what we say, what we think, what we do. 
And I want to read Ephesians 5.18 for you now, and if you could pop it up, that would be great. And I want you to just, I just want us to reflect on this for a little while. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the reference, of course, is to being <laughs> drunk on wine, get filled up with alcohol. I'm not going to ask the question, but <laughs> you know when someone's drunk, it has a profound influence on what they think and what they feel and uh, what they say, how they act. So many people do things they deeply regret afterwards. They wouldn't do or say the things that they, would, they have done when they're drunk. And along comes the Bible and says, instead of getting filled up on wine, which leads to bad stuff, debauchery, instead, note the word, it's a direct contrast that the, the author Paul is giving to us. He said, instead of being filled up with alcohol, be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the being of God in your life. Because when you do, Paul is saying, that presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God, will have a profound impact in what you think and what you feel and what you say and what you do. All of life. And it's an incredible, incredible instruction that is given to us by, by uh, God's word that we so know the presence of God at work in us that he is filling our being and pouring out of us, bubbling up out of us through our lives into the life of the world. That's our call. And I want to talk about four ways. This is kind of like an overview. It's more of the, it's more of the carrot dangling in front of us. It's more of what could be if, if uh, we actually embrace this teaching of being filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, and I want you to ask yourself the question, do I want more of this? These things that I'm going to describe to you from various places in Scripture, do you want this in your life? Is there a burning, passionate desire in your life to have more of God in the ways that I'm talking about? Or are you quite content to stand still and enjoy the sunshine? First thing, comes straight from the text. And it's something that I, I, I was reading about this uh, text, of course, and, and, and uh, saw something, if you would, that I hadn't seen before. I was told, taught about it through my reading, but it comes to us in, in Ephesians uh, 5, uh, verse 19 and 20. Basically, what the, the most direct and immediate instruction is that if we are filled with the Spirit, that we will engage in the worship of God among God's people. You may go, oh, what's the big deal? Like, you know, come to church on a Sunday morning? Let me unpack it a little bit for you. Let's read 15, chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Do not get drunk in wine, which leads to, de uh, to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Do you know what that's what we were doing this morning when we sang? singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul's saying is get filled with the Spirit and then get into that place with the other believers and praise God and thank God for everything that God has done for you. Now, What's, what's going on in this, this, this text is, is something that we've seen before. You'll remember when we talked about Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and the people who had come to faith in Jesus in that moment, a deep transformed reality of faith in their lives, I, the way I said it is they began to be passionate about the things of God. I said they began to love some things, and one of them was worship. They got together every single day to worship God, to, to praise God, and to thank God for what God had done in their lives. They were just overwhelmed by the reality of what Jesus had done in his death and his resurrection. In, in speaking with them, the Spirit of God coming, they were like, wow, what a God. And I don't know about your heart for worship this morning. 
Now you're here, and that's good. I don't know about your heart for worship. But I want to tell you, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we long to be in God's presence. We long to hear again from Him. We long to love Him back through song. And, and, and the worship that we can offer to Him is a passionate desire of our hearts. Why is that so? Listen, when we are filled with the Spirit, we live lives day after day after day when the Spirit of God is at work in us. He is revealing truth to us. He is guiding our lives. He is speaking into our lives. He is leading us to do and to be engaged in incredible things. And He is so much a part of what we are doing, and we are so overwhelmed with what He is doing that we, like these people of so long ago, just want to be in the presence of the living God who has blessed us in such dramatic and beautiful ways. And we want to, as these verses say, number one, praise him for what he has done and for who he is and thank him. You see, a life which is filled with the Spirit of God, which is encountering the Lord in dramatic and beautiful ways, is a life which is passionate to get into the presence of God among his people and to worship him with all of, all of uh, our hearts. And I want to tell you that kind of life, worship becomes a joy and worship becomes a central dynamic of life and worship becomes a priority because we just want to be with our God. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Do you wish to be filled with the Spirit of God to have that kind of life? Experiencing Him on an ongoing and regular basis? So much so that you just long to be with Him on a Sunday morning? Number one. Number two. I want to suggest to you that being filled with the Spirit of God gives us the capacity and the power to say no to sin and to live a holy life. <laughs> you know, we're called to holiness, right? We're called, as we've uh, sung about in that new song today, to be set free from the power of sin. You know, we don't have to live enslaved by sin, Paul writes in other places, but we can be set free from it so that we can live the life that we long to live. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, very similar concept, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I want you to notice the verse doesn't say walk by the Spirit and you might not or you probably won't. It says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh because God is so present and God is so real and God is so powerful in our lives that other desires become prominent and he enables us to say no to what's wrong. I'm talking about experiencing God in a miraculous fashion in your life on a daily basis. Carrot dangled. You want that? Look at, look at the next verse, uh, verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not, uh, you are not to do whatever you want. You see, the point that Paul is making in this is there's power of the flesh, and the flesh is just wired into our being, and it causes us to want to do things that are contrary to the will of God. <laughs> and the reality is that if, if we are just left to our own devices, that, that power will just move us in a particular direction. But if we are filled by the Spirit of God, we will not satisfy those desires. We just won't go there. God will enable us to say no. Now let me read to you the list of, the, of these acts of the flesh, as Paul writes, uh, which follow verses 19 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, and these are powerful words, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, that ought to set us back. 
here's, here's the reality. There's a principle here to be taken hold of. There is always something which is, and I've, I've struggled to find the, the best way to phrase this, but there's always a controlling influence or a controlling principle at work in our lives. It's just there. We can't, it can't be otherwise. It's just a reality. And sometimes when we are void of God, if you would, the flesh is that controlling interest, that controlling power, that controlling principle or influence. Like things like sexual immorality, don't put up your hands, but who among us has, has experienced the desire for sexual immorality? Like, come on, Chris, all of us have. Whether it's the desire to actually do something, whether it's the desire to watch something, whether it's lust that wells up within us, it's just, it's, an, it's, a, it's a dynamic of the flesh. And when the flesh is the powerful influence in our lives, it's going to be there. You know? It's just a dynamic reality of the flesh. How about this, the phrase of uh, describing idolatry? You know, when we have something in our lives and we love more than God and we trust in it to give us what only God can, meaning and significance and all these things that we long for at a deep level, you experience idolatry? Uh, the answer is at least a temptation toward idolatry. The answer is yes, whether you know it or not becomes a question. But there are many powerful idols in our world. Sexuality is primarily a, uh, in our culture, I think, one of them. And we can, we can look to something other than God and saying, satisfy me, make my life a life of significance. And our hearts go to that thing in love. That's a, that's, that's a dynamic of the flesh at work within us. How about jealousy? I want what she has. Mm. <laughs> I want what he has. Uh, no contentment in life. It's just a longing for something that I don't have. We become jealous of other people rather than being content for what we've got. <clears throat> How about fits of rage or hatred is in the list? I can't list and talk about all of these things, but you know, we sanitize this dynamic now and we call it, oh, someone has a problem with anger. Makes it sound so nice. And that's okay if in a way that's really going to help people get beyond it in time. But you know, when people have fits of rage or anger, it's often incredibly destructive in the lives of other people, even people they love. It's the result of the controlling principle of the flesh at work in us. And I could go on. But what this text tells us is that when we are filled with the Spirit, when the Spirit of God is so present and at work and powerful within us, that He becomes the controlling influence in our lives. And what happens when He is there in that fashion, these desires of the flesh dissipate. They disappear, and we no longer want the things we once longed for. And the things which once controlled us control us no more. Have you encountered the presence and the power of the Spirit to free you from the desire of the flesh? I hope so. And if you haven't, I'm here to tell you that this dynamic can be real in your life and you can break free from that power. And, and it'll happen because God by his presence and his power miraculously enables you just to say no and to walk away. Third thing, and it flows in the same passage, that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God enables us to become like Jesus in character and in how we live. Let me continue in that text, Galatians 5, verse 22 to 25. Now, as I read these things which the Spirit produces, in contrast to the things which this flesh produces, I want you to ask yourself, this is the word of God to you today, as all of these texts are. But ask yourself, is there anything in this list that I really need right now? It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, that which the Spirit produces in us is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, patience, other texts say, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see it moving forward? Empowered by His presence? Transformed by God? Who here would love to have more peace in their lives? How many people here are struggling and can't find peace? It's available to you. How many people here would love greater sense of self-control over anger or food or sexual compulsions or alcohol or whatever it may be that seems to control your life and you cannot break free from? How many people here would like to be less selfish and more loving? How many people would love and long to have more joy in their lives? This is real stuff, right? This is real. This is life-transforming teaching. What Paul is writing here is, you know, if you want these things, don't strive for them specifically. Like, don't stand back and say, oh, I'm going to find peace. I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that in order that I might know peace in my life. Or I'm going to do this, you know, get really self-disciplined and self-controlled so that I can have that, that sense of self-control. You know what Paul says? If you want these things, focus yourself on one thing, and that is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Because when the Spirit of God is profoundly present in your life, He will produce this in you. Not you. Him. And the miracle of God invades once again, and we find ourselves filled with peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and all these things which we deeply long for in our hearts. I want to tell you, my friends, we need... We need the Spirit of God. You know, some of you, I mean, I talk, joke about eating too much at that wedding a few weeks ago. You know, some I have told you, and some of you think it's absolutely nuts, but God has convicted me to not eat chocolate. And it's very simply because in my history, when I eat chocolate, I eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate. Potential idol. And God said to me, just spoke to me one day, as we've described before, and just said, Chris, that's enough. This is hurting the body that I indwell. It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. Stop. So I'm kind of on this permanent fast. Some people call it a diet. It's not. I'm not trying to lose weight, obviously. <laughs> it's a fast. It's stepping away from something in obedience to God. And sometimes I go to a co my cookie cupboard at home. Do you all have a cookie cupboard at home? Come on, put up your hands if you have a cookie cupboard. Yeah. Some of you don't. What's the matter with you people? I don't know. And I'll stand, and I, I'm very visual. I can picture myself in front of my cookie cupboard, and I, can, I open it up, and there are the cookies with no chocolate, and there are cookies with chocolate. And some of you might say, why are they there? Because, you know, just because I don't eat it doesn't mean that my family can, right? And there are times in my life that I crave, and I'm not kidding you, those chocolate chip cookies. First time I went to Florida, I was 16, and friends, uh, a friend's family invited me to go with my friend, and one of the nights we were there early on, we decided to stay up late and watch a movie, and, and the mom gave us a bag of chocolate chip cookies. And she was shocked the next morning to realize they were all gone. <laughs> so anyway, I stand there, and there are times I, I crave chocolate. That's a battle. Honestly, it is. Am I going to obey God, or am I going to do what I long for, the flesh? 
And there are other times I go to that cookie cupboard and I open up and there are cookies without chocolate and there are, with, there are cookies with chocolate. And I couldn't care less about chocolate. There, there is no desire. I mean, none. Why? Because in one instance, the controlling principle or, or influence in my life is the flesh. In another instance, the controlling principle or influence in my life is the Holy Spirit of God. I am filled with him and he gives me the desire for what is right and good. I'm telling you, this is an amazing thing. This is a miraculous thing. It's what God accomplishes in us when we allow him to simply because we seek him until we are filled up with him. Filled with the Spirit of God. See, my friends, we're not called to, to do this on our own. Nowhere in the Christian faith, particularly when it's coming to God and coming into salvation, as I hope you know, it's not us. It's not our strength. It's not that we earn our right to, to be children of God. We don't earn the right to have a right standing before God by being good enough or get into heaven because we've lived such a wonderful life. Not possible. The only thing we can do is come along to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness because I'm not able to live a perfect life. And I pray that you'll forgive me all my sin, that thing which divides me from God, which separates me from God. And, and, it, and we are forgiven and the sin is gone, and we are in intimate relationship with the living God. It's the same here. It's not what we do. It's not my effort that brings me to that place where I couldn't care less about chocolate. It is the Spirit of God. And I could go to the same things when it comes to sexual immorality and when it comes to jealousy and when it comes to rage and fits of anger and all these different things that are described in the list above. I don't know what your issue is, but do you want free of it? I want to, I'm, I'm describing the spiritual dynamic that enables us to become like Jesus. I don't know about you guys. I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's a remarkable, remarkable thing. And it's not just in what we do. It's in our hearts. It's our desire that the Spirit transforms, which obviously then leads us to living the life that he calls us to live. So, when we're filled with the Spirit of God, we get this passion out of a life filled with the Spirit of God where we want to worship God. We are enabled to say no to the th things that are sinful and, and wrong, and we're able to say yes to the things that are right and good so that we become like Christ. Last point, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we are enabled to engage in significant ministry that will change the lives of other people. You want that? You know, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. Um, another experience where we can really engage the presence and the activity of the Spirit. These are these uh, things which God works in us to enable us to be incredibly effective for Him. Where when we engage that which God has gifted us for, all of a sudden God is working through us. His Spirit is working through us, having profound influence in the lives of other people. 1 Corinthians 12, one of the few passages that lists these gifts is sort of the primary one. Um, and I want to read this to you, and I want you just to listen. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 7 to 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. If you're a believer, if you know Christ, if his Spirit dwells within you, you at least have one spiritual gift to have impact in the lives of other people. There's one, uh, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another Gifts of healing by that one spirit. Notice the focus on the spirit here. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of whom? 
They are the work of the one and the same spirit as he distributes them to each one just as he determines. You know your spiritual gift or gifts? <laughs> Paul starts this passage by saying, brothers, sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. I'll just tell you, you should know what your spiritual gift is. Don't be ignorant of them. Engage them, because this is what God has created for you to engage so that as you engage them, all of a sudden a spirit comes alive and flows through your life and through my life and makes impact, dramatic impact in the lives of other people. Let me just pick a couple of these by way of illustration. Um, you know, I, I, I was just thinking not long ago about this one called the gifts of healing. It's the one that's pluralized, the gifts of healing. And so that through an individual like me, like you, who, whoever it is that God has gifted, People can find healing, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever. I'd love to have that gift. I've even asked God for that gift. Because I deal with people, as I'm sure you do too, maybe I do more, I don't know, but people who are struggling and suffering, and I would love to be able to pray for them for whatever their ailment, whatever their struggle, spiritual, physical, emotional, and just pray and have the Spirit of God move profoundly and bring them healing in that moment. I don't have the gift yet. Maybe someday God will give it to me. Because God decides who gets which gifts. He's given me the gift, I hope, of teaching. Prophecy in the broadest sense where I speak forth the word of God as I am now. So much so that I hope and I pray that as I speak, the spirit of God shows up in your life and all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness. God just revealed his truth to me by his spirit. Now, Chris doesn't reveal truth to anybody. He just talks it. The spirit takes it and applies it in life in a profound, life-changing way. Give me, the, I think, the gift of wisdom where you, the truth is applied to life and people are blessed. Leadership, you know, you've heard about our vision that's coming in September. We've worked and we've prayed for over a year passionately as elders to bring this to you. I'm excited, but I love dreaming the big dream. I love thinking, man, what could we become? Ooh. <laughs> that's my gift, gifting, if you would, in part. What's your gift? I want to talk about the, 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 the gift of um, gift of tongues. I'm talking about some of the demonstrative ones now. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I don't have this gift, but it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, you know, that, that gift, that great chapter on love, he says, you know, if I have the gift, uh, 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 oh boy, what does it say? If I have tongues of man and of angels, but have not love, I'm like a clanging cymbal or a gong. The tongue, if, if, I, if I have the tongues of man and of angels. We've heard this, this one before again. Second, Acts chapter 2, sorry. The Spirit of God came and all these people started to speak a foreign language they did not understand so that Christ could be known. Miraculous encounter of God. But not only do I, if I have the tongues of men, but also the tongues of angels. There are people who are given the gifts so they can speak the heavenly language. And they are enabled through the speaking of this language to praise God and to worship God and move into this intimacy and prayer that is life-changing for them. You know? Beautiful action of God in them. How about the discerning of spirits? The capacity to know truth from falsehood. The capacity even to discern good from evil even as it is present in the lives of people. I know somebody who has this gift in such strong fashion that she's, she walks through a mall and she walks past somebody and it's almost overwhelming because she senses the presence of evil in someone. And she's had to learn to live with that and manage that. But you see, that's not her. It's the Spirit of God at work in her. 
And I could go on and on on all of these different gifts that are presented to us, but my point is when we are filled with the Spirit of God, the Lord so moves in our lives that others are blessed. He flows through us. He spills out from us so that impact is made for the kingdom of God in the lives of other people. And I stand before you today and I simply ask you, is there anyone here who would long to be used by God to bless the lives of other people in a profound fashion? You see, without the filling of the Spirit, that direct involvement of God in us working through this, the church is an empty vessel. It is weak. So many churches are weak. It is ineffective for God going through the motions, but it is, it is emptied of its power because of, the Spirit, because of the absence of the Spirit of God in the lives of His people. You know, so many people in this world that I've spoken to and you may hear, uh, may have heard from as well, basically say, you know, I don't believe in God because I've never seen God. I've never experienced God. Maybe people here today who think that, I don't know. But I want to tell you, it does not need to be that way. If you want to encounter the reality of God in your life profoundly, you can by giving yourself to being filled with his spirit. You know, we're called to live this spiritual life. Ever thought about that little phrase? <laughs> it's a very distinct life from the life that is not spiritual, but it's a life which becomes spiritual because the Spirit of God resides in us and He's given the freedom to fill us and to change us and to move through us in a profound and dynamic way. We're going to talk in a couple of weeks about how to get filled with, by the Spirit. No, next week. Sorry. Next week, how do you get filled with the Spirit of God? What do you do? How do you get to that place? Yeah, that's, that's another dangled carrot, right? Come back and you'll find out if you want to know. But here's what I know. God wants to fill your life. God wants to be so present and real and profoundly at work in your life that you know Him, you experience Him. He, he wants to get, get you to that point in life where you're encountering Him all the time so much so that you long to be in worship so that you can say no to the desires of the flesh, so that you can be so filled with the Spirit of God that you display the fruit of the Spirit with ease. It's not hard. It's simple. It's our heart's desire to do what God wants us to do. And he wants to so empower us in those areas of gifting that the world has changed simply because of you and me. My friends, the carrot has been dangled. You going to move forward? Let's pray. God, it's an incredible thing to think that we can know you, that we can, uh, <laughs> we can encounter the living God every single day. We can know the fullness of the Holy Spirit in such a fashion, Lord, that our lives are transformed for the good and for the good of this world. God, I pray that the people in this room this morning will come to a place in their lives where they deeply desire more of you where they desire not only to experience you but Lord just desire more of what they can have in Christ I pray that they will long for it that they will pray for it they will do what they need to do in order to get there so much so that our life as a church is transformed because the spirit of God is so powerfully present and at work among us come Holy Spirit of God into our lives in a new way Come into the life of our church in a new way. 
and show us. Show us, Lord, what it is that we can know in you. Thank you for this teaching. Thank you for your incredible word, the Bible. Bring it to life in us, we pray, our God. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.